0: Good afternoon, it's me, Dr. G, and welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday. You know what? We'll be breaking it down. Today's show, that vaping show, The Remix. You're checking us out here live. We're at Intellectual Radio Studios. You're checking us out live on Facebook as well. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician. I'm also a, um, a member of the... American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Yes, I love that. Hey, uh, but hey, we're here today to break it down for you. Again, check me out on my website, www.drmarcgomas.com. We are here today to talk about something very serious. We can no longer deny the fact that the vaping epidemic has wreaked havoc on U.S. public health. It is undeniable that youth are vaping at alarming rates. And also a fact, it is also undeniable, that people are being hospitalized and people are dying. Nearly every state except for Alaska has been touched by the vaping epidemic as far as hospitalizations and or death. We have to talk about this. About seven, eight months ago, we did a vaping show. So much has changed since that time. I got my expert panelists here today. Dr. Steve Cobar, Dr. Aaron Weiner, they're going to help me break it down. But we have to be serious. We have to talk about this. Again, this show is all about building trust and delivering truth. And again, it's facts. And so we're going to, we're going to lay it up today for you. You know, we are just three certified experts at what we do. That's like our credentials, our credentials are credentials. We are three certified clinicians that care about people. We care about our communities. We care about our patients. We want you to live healthy. We want you to just enjoy your family and your loved ones. We want you to have your higher purpose in life. Again, your health is your foundation for everything that you do. But again, never lose track of that broader perspective of life. There are some pressing issues that are affecting our country right now as far as health, the public health. And today's issue, the topic of vaping, it is no different. It is unheralded right now the crisis that we're in. It is skyrocketing, and we're going to break it down for you. Now, listen. Today's show we're going to be breaking it more for, more so from what's been happening lately with the hospitalizations and deaths. We're also going to focus on the youth vaping epidemic. We're not going to touch talk too much about older individuals trying to uh, trying to stop smoking traditional cigarettes. That's another conversation for another day. Because those are the people that are not likely going to be vaping at that older age. I mean vaping products aren't marketed to seven-year-old people on Twitter and Facebook and, and all that kind of stuff. We're going to be talking about the facts of vaping again, that vaping each other Again, welcome back. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. So here we go today. Before we meet my panel, you know I always hit you with a quick disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com disclaimer. So welcome back, guys. So the most important thing that I want you guys to get out of the show today, I want you to share the show. The message that we're going to say is going to be so important. We have to spread awareness. Again, there's too much misleading information out there get your information from the people that are credentialed and certified in what they do you know i'm not i'm not saying like i'm a dictator or anything like that it's dr gomez's way dr g's way or the highway but we want you to have the best health the best life possible and again we have to confront these challenges these public health crises head on otherwise we're not moving the needle otherwise what's the point you know, so we have to talk about this. So we're going to have some real talk today. And I'm super excited to introduce my panel. These two gentlemen are rock stars in what they do. They really are. And I like them a lot, so I brought them back to my show. But these two gentlemen were on my show when we did my first vaping show back in March. And again, you can check it out on my website, www.drmarcos.com, to hear the replay. You can check it out on all your podcasting apps as well. But I had to get these guys in suited because just so much has changed. So I want to introduce you guys my panel, and then we're going to get right into it. So my first guest dear friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. Him and his wife are just amazing friends uh, to my wife uh, and myself as well, too, but I've known him for a long time. He's an outstanding clinician, outstanding pediatrician. He just is an expert on what he does. He's on the circuit talking about this topic right now with vaping. I want to introduce my good friend, Dr. Stephen Kovar. He's a board-certified pediatrician at Kids First Pediatrics LTD. Check him out, www.kidsfirst.com. Dot com. Dr. Kovar, welcome back to the show. Thanks for
1: having me again. I appreciate it.
0: Hey, please tell us a little bit about your background. Again, I want to step our credentials for this important thing. Where did you do your medical school? Where did you do your residency training? And give us a few opening thoughts about this topic today.
1: All right. Well, I did my medical school at uh, University of Illinois, Chicago College of Medicine. And I did my residency at Hope Children's Hospital on the south side. Uh, Advocate right now. Uh, it's Advocate Hope Children's Hospital. Um, and yes, I'm a pediatrician. So most of pediatrics is about prevention and that's the majority of my life is is preventing kids from having problems later on so that no offense but adult doctors kind of go out of business because they've been everyone's been living a healthy lifestyle that's what i'd love um, and this is where it's a it's a huge topic because unfortunately you, this, we're seeing this in kids and when we have kids and we take the teenagers we set them aside and we have the parents out of the room we always ask about vaping and every single time i you, you you always have this idea of like who's the kid that's vaping and the answer is, assume everyone is, because at some point, they probably have tried it at least.
0: Wow, well, I cannot wait to get into this even more detail with you, just to tell them the truth. My, my next guest, he and I have done so much work together, collaborating on not only this, topic but other topics, on um, Tear to with Dr. G, also did some house calls with Dr. G, just just really a good friend of mine. Uh, got to meet him a couple of years ago through uh, Edward Hospital, and just really talking about Uh, uh, Really really about just getting the message out there to people. So I want to introduce my good friend again, Dr. Aaron Weiner. I want to read his credentials because his credentials run deep. Dr. Aaron Weiner, board-certified psychologist and director of addiction services at Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Check him out, www.eehealth.org. Dr. Weiner, welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. Glad to be here in person this time.
0: Hey, you bet. I am so glad to have you here. Yes, last time you were on the phone, but we still had a great show. We're having a great show today. Tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you do your training uh, and a few words about what this topic means to you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I got my doctorate from University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. I did my uh, training years in the VA hospitals actually up uh, right around here in Hines, uh, Illinois, and then actually over in the VA in uh, Ann Arbor. Um, Since that time, though, I've been at Linden Oaks Behavioral Health now for three years. I direct the addiction service line there, and something that I've really come to identify strongly with is that addiction uh, is a very uh, interesting condition where people are selling the disease. And across a number of different ways, no one's selling uh, trauma, no one's selling depression, no one's selling anxiety. People are selling e things. people are selling alcohol, people are selling marijuana. And that creates a very interesting intersection between profits and industry and facts and research. And I've really tried to be a champion uh, for truth, which of course leads me back to your show. Uh, we just yeah. about that hey this is awesome i cannot
0: wait to get into more detail with you so there you go you met the crew crew is fierce as usual hey so listen how the show works those of you that are new to us what i do obviously you just met the crew what i do on the show each week we have a clinical question we break it down for you and make sure that again we have a great opportunity for you to spread the message but again to get the right information for the right sources and that's what we're here for on to your health with dr g so the clinical question the chief complaint the hour of course the chief complaint of course is when somebody comes into your office with a particular ailment or concern and the chief complaint aka the question an hour today is with the number of vaping related illness cases and deaths continuing to skyrocket what actions should be taken to save lives and i'm asking myself that question Every day, as I interact with my patients, uh, you know, my patients are so much more so on the older side, so I may not be seeing as much vaping cases, but I still do have patients that vape, and I still have younger patients. I started 18 in my practice, so yes, I have patients, and I can counsel them at that point, and by, by, by the time I see them already at 18, they've already started. And so there's so much more that we gotta do, so we're gonna talk about this a little bit more. So I'm gonna ask Dr. Kovar this question. So here we go. Let's just get right into it. Who are we blaming? Who gets the blame for the vaping epidemic we have in this country?
1: Oh, boy, that's a pretty deep question, and the easy answer is everybody. Uh, obviously, the yeah. people that are making the the, the products, they're the, the ones to blame because they're putting out the advertisements. They're promoting the, the, the safety of their e-cigarettes to, to kids, and they're getting younger and younger and younger. So as they... Go down in the age scale. They're making flavors to make it appealing to the younger kids and getting kids hooked early because you know, it's it's like a lot of branding. No matter what the brand, the earlier you get someone, and the earlier you know, there are people that you know are certain colas. The, they like this certain cola versus a, a different one because their parents liked it. And once you get that brand set in, you're stuck and it's hard to get out. And so they're targeting younger and younger and younger kids. And the younger you get the kid, as the kid's mind's developing and their brains developing. You, you you can hook you know you get them young you get them for life.
0: It's almost like if you as you expose somebody to something such early at an earlier and earlier age, right? It becomes not only the norm but it becomes accepted behavior, and that's a dangerous pathway to travel down. Dr. Weiner, who's, who's who gets the blame on this one?
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to be a little more uh, targeted with that, although I appreciate the broad answer too. <laughs> Um, Honestly, I I think it's the people who who sell it. And -hmm. and the reason being, Dr. Kovar alluded to this, uh, 90% of all addictions, if you're going to have a problem with an addiction, you're going to start developing developing it before the age of 20. And so if you look at marketing for all of these different, any addictive product, they're going at the demo. They can't come out and say it. They can't come out and say, we are targeting young people. But when you look at the talk versus the walk, the walk are these flavors. The walk is at uh, the congressional hearing that Jewel had where ninth graders testified and said, they came to our classroom and said it was perfectly safe when the paper trail from that testimony found $200,000 spent on social media influencers. And, you know, you're, not on, you're not on Snapchat, you're not on Instagram to reach the 45-year-old chain smokers. You know what I mean? Like That's not where you go. So I, I think that when you look at what started the snowball, um, the finger definitely points in one direction. I think now there's a lot more to it, but I think that's where it started. And
0: I think for me, I would say uh, I agree with you both wholeheartedly that the sellers have to share the blame. I also say, you know, because maybe because we're, we're, we're clinicians, we're hard on ourselves, we want to do the best. You know, I think we as, as clinicians, I'm um, not saying we, we share some of the blame, but I don't think we've done enough. And I think that we need to do more. And, and so today's topic. And people out there spreading this message is certainly a way to do it, but but I think we as clinicians have to come together to 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 attack this head on. And, you know, it's hard to say like, hey, it's like almost like a David versus Goliath. Goliath is, of course, of course, the tobacco industry and and Juul. And how can we as clinicians, uh, uh, physicians, and addictionologists, how can we, uh, uh, how can we just persevere? How can we succeed? because we're so far behind. I think as a clinician, I was behind April people have already been vaping though what does what the modern vape go back to what year is that?
2: Do uh, know It was invented in 2003, but okay. 2006 is when it first came over.
0: Okay so me as a clinician, I didn't hear about vaping until probably a few well, about a few years ago. And so I'm already behind the eight ball, you know, let's say it was 2016 or 2015. And so then we, I had no training, of course, because I graduated medical school in 2004, but all, although I do try to do my CMEs every year. There's no doubt about that. i got to stay up to date. But no, we are behind. And so you have, you have generations of doctors and clinicians and dictionologists that never saw this coming. And now we're all playing, like, the, the catch-up game, and, and we're, we're, I feel like we're losing that battle because the statistics online. Uh, Dr. Cover, do you have any kind of statistics that we see on the vaping yeah. epidemic, certainly a youth vaping epidemic?
1: Definitely, well, if, when you look at the, the, tr- the trends that we're seeing, it's actually a little disturbing, and by a little, I mean a lot. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at, uh, they looked at uh, 8th graders, 10th graders, and 12th graders, and they asked them, have you uh, ever tried uh, vaping? And it was, I believe, 25% of 12th graders, and it was down, like, about t- it was like 10% of 8th graders, Twenty percent of 10th graders and 20, 28 uh, percent of uh, high school or uh, seniors. If you ask them, have you vaped at all in the and ye- in, in the past year? The number was 40 percent of 12th graders, 35 percent of 10th graders, and 20 percent of 8th graders. And then they finally said, do you vape every single day? And unfortunately, that number was uh, 25% of 12th graders, 20% of 10th graders, and 2% of 8th graders. So if you think about that, just 8th graders, little uh, you know, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, running around, 2% of them are vaping every day. Um, there was just a, an article that came out today, I believe it was through the AAP or through uh, the Journal of American Medical Association, and uh, it was uh, 20% of high schoolers and 11% of middle schoolers have vaped in the last month. And comparing that to um, the statistics last year, it's a 2 million increase. So about 5.3 million kids in high school or less are, are vaping or have vaped in the last month. And last year it was 3.6. So when we talk about advertising, something something's going on. And, and, and it's, it's appealing to the youth. And the more it appeals to the youth and the more it becomes normalized. And when younger kids are seeing their older siblings doing it or their parents or the people in different movies or whatever doing it, as you normalize something, it becomes it becomes part of the culture. So,
0: Dr. Weiner, what do you take of, What's your take on those kind of alarming statistics? I made the argument at the beginning that the cases are skyrocketing. What's your take on, on on just the damage? How do we how do we control this? How do we get this? You know, we're talking about well, how can we save lives? We'll get to yeah. that a little more later. But what, what's your take on some of this kind of information?
2: Well, I, I think it has to do, uh, like Dr. Kovar was saying, with normalization and culture. I think what we're starting to see is that they, these advertising campaigns have worked, you know, and that's part of why a year ago we saw Altria, the people who, who uh, created Marlboro, part of Baked Tobacco, buy into Juul at $13 billion, because when you see growth statistics like that, you know, if, if you're in the business of addiction and getting rich off the health of our youth, that's fantastic news. If you care about the health of our youth like we do, that's, you know, the whole other side of the equation. And so I think what, what we've really got to start doing, and um, if, if there is any positive thing that's coming from the current epidemic of death um, and of, uh, of illness that's going on with vaping that we're still trying to figure out, is that we are actually seeing some trends in the population start to shift where people are seeing it as more risky, which is a lot closer to accurate than the messages that they got from the industry for so long. And I'm, I'm hopeful that young people are taking note.
0: And then we have to just kind of do more. I mean, it's hard uh, when you have those kind of dollars behind a big public health. I shouldn't say public health. We're trying to do public health. Uh, (laughs) There's a big dollars behind a marketing campaign that is so darn effective. Uh, And, you know, I'm going to kind of play the thing, but uh, but I thought you have to be 18 to buy jewels. (laughs) You know, I I thought that's what it is. Uh, So what's up with that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I, so you can, you can get these devices anywhere with a that's fake ID, did. an older person. I mean, that's never stopped people before. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the price of entry is not high. I don't know if you guys looked recently, yeah. but on Jules' website, they, they were selling uh, the, 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 the device itself, on sale right now, $10. You know, like that's like you mow a lawn and, and, and it's like, so, so now granted, you know, you, Juul actually, to their site credit, does have a, a, a stronger age verification system than most other online vendors, but you can, you know, get it from other places too. But even so, just the financial, you don't have to go too far to get one of these things. Right, yeah. 70, I
1: think it was, again, just some statistics that just came out. About 78% of kids that have gotten their Jewel actually got it from a retail store. 50% got it from a friend or, or a cousin or some, some relation. Only 2 to 3%, I think it was, got it online. But if you think about it, I mean, any kid can go get a credit card from Walmart that they pay pay the $4.95, have $100 on it. They could send it. They could do all stuff. And the question is, I, I checked it. I went on their website and it says, are you over 18? If you click yes, I mean, they're not taking a retina scan of me to see if I'm no. really over 18. Yes, I am. And you just send it to yourself or send it... You know to a friend or whatever and you get a package in a couple of days you pay the shipping and your parents never know because if i'm tracking my child's debit card i can say what, what, what's this but if they have a debit card from you know one of those burner debit cards i would never know
0: yeah we. Have, i mean there's no doubt there's, there's more that's going to be done and, and again the the we, we just have to we just have to do more collectively well, let me ask this because here's the other thing i just because but you have to be 18 don't you but uh how about this but but using e-cigs and Juul and stuff is safer than traditional smoking, right?
1: Yeah, I think again, as, as it's been alluded to, that, that's the perception that it's just you're just taking in water vapor and some flavor. And yes, you're getting some water vapor, you're getting some flavor, but they're not talking about the carcinogens you're getting. You're talking about the small particles of the flavoring that are getting deeper into the lungs that are causing more problems and they're not talking about just the general risk of the device which can itself be a risk. Uh, it can blow up, it can catch on fire, it can do these things. Yeah, so it's, it's safer uh, in the sense that it's not.
0: Yeah. Dr. Weiner, I wanted to clarify for us out there because I don't think people know this, um, and I watched one of, your, one of your awesome presentations that you did recently, and, um, and definitely check out, again, Dr. Aaron Weiner, He's, his stock is hot. I watched one of your presentations lately and you, you mentioned that the amount of nicotine in a pod of Juul is ridiculous equivalent of like I think you might have said it's equivalent of doing a pack of cigs which is 20 cigarettes um, is that is that is that the kind of the accurate data?
2: Yeah absolutely I mean it's, it's highly concentrated and you can actually buy it uh, from third-party vendors that sell quote-unquote Juul compatible pods that actually have even more nicotine in them. There is also there's been some really interesting studies that show that actually Jule's way of dispensing the nicotine as well, the nicotine salts, but actually goes the nicotine goes into your blood faster even than other vaping devices, and that leads them to be more addictive. Um, what's interesting, you, I want to go back to when you said, aren't they safer? Aren't they um, safer? What was interesting is that people you'll hear that right because you you, you pair the word safe. And people think think let, let less harm, but really that that's what we should be. The word we should be using is less harmful, because they are still harmful. There are still carcinogens. There are still. Are there fewer? It looks like from the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. The answer is yes. There are fewer toxins, but there's still poison. Uh, just because f- fewer doesn't mean none.
0: Yeah, so. I agree. So there's no doubt. Again, we're trying to catch up a lot to this epidemic. You know, and 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 we have to try to try to close the gap and, and, and because this speeding train is out of control, you know, we've got to do more from a research standpoint. I know, um, you know, certainly municipalities, uh, state governments, federal government, the federal government has um, has essentially uh, created regulation. Some states have, have been leading the, pat, the charge. Some municipalities, like in San Francisco, have been leading the charge to say, you know what, hey, we need to. We recognize that this is being so much of a youth issue that we have to curtail this right now. We're going to stop the sale of flavored uh, uh, e-cigs or do an entire ban. You know where are we at with this kind of legislation? Do we know where we're at? Um, you know, or and, and and secondly, is this going to be effective at all? Because if there's still going to be black market ways to get something because there always is a way to divert things to the black market. You know, are we going to really make a make a dent into this process with some regulation right now?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I can I can keep this one up. So I mean, so a uh, f- few tiers to that question. So in terms of what's going on in Springfield, there is a bill that's being uh, I think it's currently in committee. Um, I think for a, a lot of people, it's a pretty easy sell. The issue, though, and where you get pushback, is that the, your your vape shops are saying you're putting us out of business, right? You're you're doing this. Um, we're viewing ourselves as harm reduction. We're viewing ourselves as providing a good thing. And if you take away our flavors, if you take you're you're, you're literally putting us out of business. So there's a lot of there's a lot of pushback on that. In terms of the impact, I think I think it would have one if we say banned flavors, which is what 85% of kids say that they're attracted to. Um, there was just another study that came out that said that fruit flavors and then mint are the top two for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it would be effective. I view it kind of like looking at like putting a you know, locking your door at night. Will it keep you safe from a professional criminal? Absolutely not. Will it keep you safe from someone drunk running around the neighborhood looking to get into someone's house? Yeah, because your door is locked. And so there are some people who are still going to get it no matter what, but there are some people, rule followers, if you will, mm-hmm. um, who when they hear that it's illegal, they shouldn't be buying it, are going are to turn the other way. Okay, gotcha. So let
0: me ask this question. Uh, I'm going to ask this question, Dr. C- Dr. Kovar. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about that, that again, this, this issue is skyrocketing. The reality is right now what's dominating the headlines are the hospitalizations and the deaths. Um, I think uh, CDC, as of last week, uh, there's almost nearly 2,000 hospitalizations with vaping-related lung injury, and nearly 40 deaths reported nationwide. And again, every state except for Alaska uh, has registered at least one of those one, one or the other harm that's happened. So, you know, I can probably we can probably just safely conclu- conclude that, it, that the numbers only going to go higher. Right. Uh, and it got to the point that the, that the director of the Illinois Public Health, Public, Public Health Department came in and said, the best way to not be a statistic is to don't do it in the first place. And it didn't matter if somebody was doing nicotine vaping, THC vaping, or, or both. What's your take on that kind of stuff?
1: Well, I think, again, the biggest thing we got to do is we, it's, it's all about education. It's getting yeah. and educating kids when they're young so that they don't start because once you start it's it's a snowball effect. It's if it, you know if you start stop the snowball at the top of the mountain, it's a lot easier to stop it so it doesn't turn into a gigantic snowball that takes out a whole village, you know, by the time it gets to the bottom. So that's the thing that we as clinicians have to do. But that's the thing where we have to have more public health and public service announcements about that. But also changing the culture so that it doesn't become Accept, uh, accepted or normalized, and and if we can stop kids from starting it early, we can stop some of these deaths. Because the majority of deaths aren't happening to 50, 60, 70 year sixty, seventy-year-olds. Uh, they're happening to uh, st- I think twenty-year-olds. Twenty, year olds, 20 to, 18 to twenty-five are the majority of the uh, the people that are having these the, the deaths or the uh, lung injuries. It's it's that, and it's getting it's younger and younger and younger, younger. And and, younger younger. Younger. and, and, it it and they're having percent, more serious yeah. uh, they're having more serious injuries because of it. So. You know, the quicker we can stop it, then we can save lives that way and we can stop, have people stop becoming statistics.
0: Uh, Dr. Weiner, what's your take on how we can start saving lives? Because again, this is really where we're trying to move the needle as clinicians. Uh, you know, we're seeing a public health threat that's only going to grow. There's no signs of it going the other way. Yeah. And so we want to get in front of this thing. You know, what else do we need to be doing? We have to have this kind of conversation.
2: Well, I think, yeah. so the, way the pr- approach I take to it, particularly when I speak to young people, is that we're always going for those kind of like your swing voters, right? Your people in the middle, because there's the people who are never going to do it anyway. Sure. The people who are f- so far in that they're not going to listen. So it's the question of like these people who have been experimenting or could go either, how do we reach them? And what, what I've been really leaning on, um, which, which is the scariest part about this, is we don't know what's going on. The Mayo Clinic published an article saying that it looks like chemical burns like mustard gas in the lungs, for a while, we thought it had something to do with vitamin E. That looks like that's been maybe debunked a little bit. We've seen it in THC only. We've seen it in nicotine only yeah. cases. We don't, eat, we don't know. And what I think is that there's a, there's a group of people who value their health who are going to hear that and going to be like, this is not worth it. And I'm going I'm to change my course. And I think that's where we have the most leverage right
0: now. Yeah. You know, interesting. when you think about what's the leading cause of death in this country, of course, as a, as a lifestyle choice, it's tobacco. Actually, the top three leading cause of death is looking from a lifestyle standpoint in this country that fuels heart disease and cancer, tobacco use, physical inactivity, and poor diet. But when we think about tobacco, it's not nicotine that leads to the death. It's all the other crap that's in the traditional cigarette. We're talking about there's a lot of crap that's in these uh, these e-cigs that we don't uh, truthfully know the extent of the damage that it will do, and so it's like we're only fueling. You know, we can we can again kind of conclude that of all these harsh chemicals, that this is still going to fuel death. And destruction in this country from a health standpoint heart disease we don't know what, what the what the what the e-sign is going to lead to is it going to lead to more cancer down the road is it going to lead to more more heart disease i don't know
1: and the other problem is that there are there are the the shops where you can get them which are going to have some regulations but then the problem is that there are some that are not regulated so there are little pop-up things that will come up and you'll have the jewel compatible uh, pods and you don't know what's exact what's in them and they've actually taken some out and they've uh, done experiments and uh, cyanide was in some of them so yeah. you know, so yeah. someone because you could get the jewel pod for 16 bucks or you can get this you know knockoff brand for 10 so kids who don't have a lot of money 10 bucks sounds good and they don't realize that they're just inhaling a bunch of cyanide or uh, I think it was um, uh, plant uh, um, uh, like lawn care products and stuff like th- th- that's in there because it's just like they used to do with cocaine they used to put baby powder in there cut up the cocaine you turn one ounce of coke into four ounces and then people are snorting and having problems, it's 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 just going to cause more and more problems as, as things become, and, and that's the problem with regulations, sometimes when they put the regulations on, as you said, there's always going to be people that tri- figure out how to come around the regulations so that they can continue their product.
0: So, Dr. Wine, let me ask you this question. We worked so hard to get traditional cigarette use down in youth. We spent decades... Uh, really, I remember back in the 80s when I was a kid, I mean smoking you know smoking campaigns in the elementary school. We worked hard to get those numbers out. And those numbers did come down on teen traditional cigarette smoking. So now we know that teen traditional cigarette smoking is still relatively low, historically low compared to even 30 years ago with all these campaigns. But it seems like all the work that we did is now being undone and unravelled because we're seeing this just gigantic thing. So let me ask you this question: uh, Maybe you can comment on that a little bit. But if I'm like a 15-year-old kid, we're talking about more than half of the people that are that are being hospitalised or dying are under the age of 24, 25. And so if I'm a if I'm a 21-year-old kid and somebody lays out a jewel on the table or or a pack of Marlboros, you know, uh, you know, we we know that the person's not going to choose Marlboros. You know, they don't know what the Marlboro Man is, anyways. Right. Uh, you know, but, but, but you know, what, what, will, what will a young person say? Well, they say, like, you offer them a traditional cigarette. They're going to be like, no, no way, Jose. You know, I'm not, no, I would never. Do they do that? Yeah. I mean, are we seeing that kind of, a, that kind of a understanding? So, so I
2: think what you're getting at, I mean, you're getting at two constructs that I think are critical in how we perceive where we are and also our way out. Uh, the first is perceived risk, okay. so a c- common pivot in, in the drug industry is the less risky someone thinks your product is, the more people who are going to use it, okay. and so all of the messaging that you're hearing around e right now are, are minimizing that risk, and, and that's on purpose, because that means that when people are faced with these choices, they, they're, they're going to be more likely to use it, so that's one element. Now, the other element, you mentioned the Marlboro man. smoking used to be cool. People used to do it in movies. Everybody was doing it. It was something that was identified as like, this is who you want to be. This is what it's like to be a man. This was edgy. Now, generally, people think it's disgusting, right? And, so, I mean, and that's kind of where I'd say your average person has gone. That was a big cultural change, though, and a big shift. And so I think if we're learning from the past, what we've got to start getting towards is, is moving away from the marketing and the branding and the products that have made this cool for kids. And then in, instead, start putting those messages out there. Get some influencers at all different levels talking about how this is not an appealing thing. Uh, just like we did with cigarettes.
0: Excellent. What's your take? What's your take on that, Dr. cobra On, on you know, I like that idea of just getting more of the influencers out there to change the narrative. We right. have to.
1: Right, and that's what I was just going to say. It's 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 not the, the ways that we used to do things in the past. Putting things on TV, kids aren't watching TV. They're watching mm-hmm. YouTube. They're watching they're watching kids on open toys. They're watching kids open. You know, play video games. They're so watching kids watching videos of kids watching videos. I think my kids so, actually
0: watch that, by the way. Yeah, which is which
1: is great. So so we <laughs> have to have these influences. We have to have yeah. the people. Again, you know, I, I think back to my mom back who used to smoke when she was 13, 14, because that was what the cool people did. Cary Grant, you, you'd see all these stars doing it, and commercials. I think even there was a, a cartoon, The Flintstones, would had cigarettes, and in it, so if if you think about it. Cartoons were, you know, there's there's cartoons smoking. As a kid, oh, the cartoon guys are doing it. It's, you know, and all the different things. But now we don't have those because kids aren't doing that same type of activity. So we have to have the influence. We have to have people that they look up to really saying, hey, you know what? This is not what you want to start doing. This is not the cool thing to do. This is, don't, don't, if you have them saying don't start, maybe a few people will listen and then kids will start taking it from their peers saying, you know what? You're not doing it. I'm not going to do it. You know, I always think about, um, uh, there's a part in Harry Potter where uh, at the end of one of the, spoiler alert, but at one of the, uh, <laughs> it is what at, it is. <laughs> at the end of one of the scenes, um, uh, Dumbledore says to, to, to one of the, he says, it's, it's easy to say no to your enemies, it's a lot harder to say no to one of your friends. And that's the thing, we have to get more kids saying no, because the less people that are doing it, the less opportunities come up. And, and as we know with kids, a lot of times when it's opportunity, when the opportunity arises, they're going to take it because they don't think about the future. You can't tell a kid now, hey, in 30 years, you're going to have lung cancer because 30 years, they're not thinking about it. They're thinking, what's going to happen in the next 15, 20 minutes? And that's why kids take risky behaviors because they don't have that that ability, or I don't want to say ability, but they don't think long term. So that's where we have to really kind of get people to talk about the here and now. Here and now, you're not going to look cool. These are the things that can happen. These are, you know, you can, so when I talk to kids, I, I tell them that, if you're a kid that plays sports, it can affect your lungs. You might not be running as fast. Now you're suddenly getting cut from teams. Now you're not, you know, you're getting yeah. taken off of these things that you love. And that actually starts hitting home more than you're going to, um, you know, you going to have cancer in 15 years. You know, it used to say, you st- uh, you're going to stain your teeth. You're going to stain your. Th- th- once they start thinking about appearance and stuff, you got to make it here and now, and that's how we get kids. To yeah,
0: stop. I think we got to definitely, you know, use our peers. I mean, for kids up there, this epidemic's going on. The peers that are there, we need some leading voices. Uh, you know, the even people, what celebrities and stuff, need to be some leading voices uh, to talk about these kind of things. But until that happens, it's still going to be, as my good friend Dr. Winer always like to say. Profits over people versus people over profits. So you guys are listening here. We're here at NLS Radio Studios. We're talking about vaping. I want to ask this question to Dr. Dr. Weiner. So there's been some controversy. I don't know if it's controversial or not, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. But um, that I've seen like different data or different talks about vaping being a gateway effect to other things. You know, some, you know, I read something the other day that said said the vaping effect, I think it was on CNN, they might have published it, but it said something to the point that, that a gateway effect Related to e-cigarettes/slash vaping and vaping uh, is not necessarily true. You know, what's do we know what the truth is? Do we know that vaping is going to lead to other behaviors, traditional cigarette smoking, anything else, or is it just more hearsay?
2: Yeah, well, I think so. I've got a strong opinion on this, and I'll make it clear. But I think the biggest the biggest theory driving this is about risk. You know, it's not risk is not the same thing as determinism, and so there are a lot of people who vape who may not do anything else, uh, but that doesn't mean necessarily that if you vape that other things aren't more likely. There was just a study came out about a month ago, might have been American Journal of Pediatrics, I can't remember exactly which, uh, but that actually found that if a young person who vapes is three and a half times more likely to start using THC or marijuana products if they're vaping nicotine first. Um, and part of the reason why, why we see that, right, is this, is this progression of perceived risk. Like, if, just to give you an example, um, and you hear this, you know, the gateway drug thing with marijuana a lot, too. If someone walks up to you with, you know, a friend, even, a young person with a bag of heroin, and is like, hey, you want to tie off and inject, you're going to be like, No. That's, a, that's like yeah, a really... Like, no, I don't get open. down like that. Yeah, that's that's don't like don't a super high sell, right? But instead, if someone is like walking up to you with a vape device, and you're like, oh, isn't it just water vapor and, 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 and nicotine solids, and like maybe some flavor, you start doing that, and now you're hanging with a group of people who does this for fun, and at some point someone brings along some THC in a pot or marijuana, and isn't it legal in January anyway, just a plant. At some point, you you know, some hallucinogens come along or some cocaine or some... And every eventually you make your way to heroin, and ninety-two percent of people who have used heroin start with something. You, you you don't start with marijuana actually, and now we know that there's a link between vaping and pot. So I guess what I'm saying, you don't make it to step five without first taking Good step answer. one, two, and three. No. And so if you're not doing step one
3: doesn't go any further
2: right? yeah I agree yeah and I was
1: gonna to add on to that I think the the other thing is for kids it's that kind of feeling like you're getting away with something and and so especially with uh, the jewel the the way it looks it, it's and, and I, I can talk, it, it looks like a USB drive so it's like the flash drive so I think about uh, my son's school, they have computers. The school district gives every kid their own computer. They're, some kids are taking their, jewel flash, their jewel-looking flash, their jewel flash drive, or their flash drive-looking jewel, I should say, <laughs> plugging it into their school-sanctioned computer, charging their jewel, and because it looks like it, teachers aren't noticing, It's a fla- the, they think it's a flash drive, the kids are taking out their jewel, taking a hit, blowing the smoke into their sleeve, and then they put the jewel back in, and, and you don't smell you're not smelling smoke, so the teachers are unaware. So they're kind of thinking, I'm getting away with something. And there is that thrill. And sometimes kids do it, and then if one kid's doing it, oh my gosh, can you believe I've, I just, you know, vaped in class? And then same thing with the THC, because it's not this gigantic pot smell that you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm at a concert. And they're blowing it into their sleeves, so the, vapes, the, the vapor just kind of goes away. And they're now doing something during school hours that is is it's it's exciting and it's thrill seeking and and especially you know the majority of the people that have been injured have been uh, young men, which as we know just through statistics and all the all the actuary tables, young men are going to be more. Uh, prone to take a risk than than uh, other groups, so now we've got these kids that have this ability, and 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 it's again, it's an opportunity arose. And hey, if I did it, I want you know, if he, or if he did it, wonder if I can do it. And so now two people are trying it. Now you have more and more, and then they're telling their friends, "Can you believe I was smoking in so and so's yeah. class?" And then next thing you know, more and more people are doing it, or they're going to the bathroom. Quick hit go to class, so now they have deans and principals and teachers sitting in the bathrooms to keep kids from going, and so they're not being able to do their job because we have to monitor the kids just going to the bathroom, and then the kids who are just want to go to the bathroom sometimes get caught up because if a couple kids are vaping and teacher walks in, everyone goes it down. Everyone, out, right? it's kind of, it's it's mm-hmm. the kind of guilty till proven otherwise, and yes, some kids who aren't doing anything, they get to go, but it's... Yeah, it, it's, it, but still,
0: it's the thrill, of the chase. So I'm going to kind of piggyback on what you said a little bit earlier, where you you almost have to assume that somebody, that a young person, is doing this. You know, for there are a lot of parents that listen to our program every week on Teerup with Dr. G to get some information. You know, what can we tell the parents that are out there? Are there any telltale signs that a parent may notice in their child and their teen? Uh, that they may be up to—I don't want to call it nefarious behavior—but uh, but up to vaping. What you know? are there anything out there, Dr. Weiner? When you talk to parents or anything like that, other or even other clinicians, are there any telltale signs that, that we may that we may observe in our youth?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a few things that I, I want to highlight, and then I'm interested to hear what Dr. Kofar has to th- say about that too. Uh, so the first thing is, you know, in terms of a telltale sign, the only single telltale sign you're going to get is a positive urine drug screen, you know what I mean, like that, like for cotinine or nicotine, and you can actually buy these things online, very inexpensive, and to be honest, although that sounds kind of severe, if you have a, 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 a young person, a child who you think is at risk, it can actually be helpful for them to do this, because then they have an excuse, like if they're offered at school, they can say, I can't do that, my parent drops me once or twice a week, I don't want to get, and so that actually gives them some ammunition, but beyond that, um, in terms of what to look for. Um, One of the biggest things is that uh, if if you are staying connected with your child in terms of who their friends are, what they're doing, or how they're spending their time, then you'll notice that things change. When kids get involved in these things, oftentimes the, their clothing might change, their friends change. Social media is also a big one. Parents should be on their children's phones, just period. There's, that's you're, You don't get privacy on that until you're 18. You would be blown away with what's posted on these social yeah. media things of, of children doing things that they shouldn't be. But like, if you just take the time to look and be connected... You'll start to notice money disappearing. You know, like the the things where you have to buy and use recover if you're vaping THC, for example. Um, there's there's these signs that you can look for. You know, parents
0: got a parent at the end of the day, and yes, I encourage parents. You know, luckily my kids are very young, and I think my wife and I uh, uh, will will try to continue to shield them from whatever we can shield them from. But but the reality is that kids are gonna get exposed. Uh, and whether they're exposed to it in school to from a uh, from an educational standpoint that says, do not do this, kinda like how we did back in the eighties, do not do this. Remember those commercials that were said, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs, any question they Friday night back in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, the message will get out there at some point, but we just have to do so much. Dr. Cover, from your perspective, from a pediatrician standpoint, What are some signs, what do you tell your your parents of the kids that come into your office? Well,
1: the big thing I I always tell the parents is when I'm doing a physical exam, I kick them out. After 13, I kick parents out and I let the kids know that I am their advocate. And what we're talking about is between them and I. And I cannot tell the parent unless they're going to hurt themselves or hurt someone else. I have to be a kid's advocate, but then I also have to give them the the truth and and talk to them about the the activities they're doing. Is there a sign? No. You're not gonna. It's. It's not. They're not wearing the big red, you know, V for vaping, like in, uh, you know, the big A, the Scarlet Letter. They're not wearing that. Um, and, and the biggest thing is is just talking to your kids and having an, a, a discussion with them. And 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 for parents, it's is, is exactly what's said. You you want to make sure you're knowing what they're doing. Um, and checking their phones because it's it's easy. And kids have uh, you know Instagram. You know kids have an Insta, but they also have what's called a Finsta, which is a fake Instagram. So I have my Instagram that my parents see, and hey, yes, I'm friends with my you know my parents, and so they can see what I'm posting on Instagram. But then they have another uh, another login that you don't know about, yeah, don't know about and then that's where they're getting all the stuff and they're talking. No. And you and it's hard because it's it's easy. You know it's easy because they can hide things very very well. So uh, you know for for me, it's it's talking to the kids and going over what they're doing. And I ask all the kids, you know, I'll ask them, I remember when I was doing my training, uh, I had a, an adolescent uh, um, mentor who used to say, just assume everyone's drunk, high, uh, pregnant, and depressed, and suicidal, and yeah, you'll had never go wrong. Had them prove, prove you wrong. Prove me wrong. Yeah. And, and, you know, as <laughs> Dr. Weiner said, um, the, the tests uh, to check for stuff are mm. cheap, and, and, and my son is not the happiest with me, because I just randomly check him. Mm. And there's no, and it could be like, hey you know you were out with your friends i'm checking it or it could be you weren't out with your friends and i'm checking you anyway checking because you know it keeps him on his toes and some people are like oh my gosh you check your kids and it's not that i'm not trusting him but it's also just like i said keeps him honest and he could say like dude my dad's checking me and i will lose my car i will lose i, my will, phone, lose I will lose everything and 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 we want to uh, i do it again not to penalize him but also if something comes back positive now we have a, a talking yeah, point point. and you know if something comes back why is this, you know, and and luckily knock on wood, nothing has, but if it does, at least I can talk to him and we can start We can start the discussion before he gets in too deep and then next thing we know, it, it's become, it's a lot harder to stop that, that ball once it's rolled.
0: I know for me, I know, um, you know, I'm trying to put myself back in those teenage years and, and and I'm very grateful for my parents for instilling a lot of values in me and saying, sit us, sit us down, me and my twin brother, and say, you know, you don't do this and you don't do that, you know, and it was that clear. And, and, you know, I don't think my, my parents had to go any further than that But you heard the message clear. It's interesting that you said, Dr. Weiner, about these tests, and, and Dr. Kovar said, too, you can just do a quick urine test. The reality is that, and here's a statistic from 2015, published in the American Journal of Public Health, 99% of e-cigarettes sold in U.S. convenience stores, supermarkets, and similar outlets contain nicotine. So you can easily test. More than likely, your kid will have either nicotine or metabolite of nicotine in that urine have that had that much detailed conversation, so I love what you're saying right there. So what I want to do right now, I want to get into something that we do each week on the show, myths versus facts. And so when we did the myths versus facts last time on the vaping show. Uh, I was trying to stump both Dr. Weiner and Dr. Kovar. It is what it is, that's what I try to do sometimes. But again, so now I have to come up with an entirely new list of myths versus facts because we're doing the vaping show, the remix. And I didn't want to repeat what we did before because the conversation has changed. Uh, I mean, the, the, the situation, the condition of the playing field have changed in the last uh, six, eight months because people are being hospitalized with severe lung injury, and they are dying. So we've got to talk about this. So here we go. Myths versus facts, how it works. I say a statement. My panelist says myth or fact. They tell us why. We'll keep it kind of boom, 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 and we'll go from there. We're going to get through as many things as we can. Love it. Here we go, Dr. Kovar. You're the first one. Myth Hello. or fact? That vaping show the remix. Here we go. With vaping, okay. you're just inhaling water vapor.
1: Uh, that would be a myth. Please explain. So as we kind of talked about earlier, the flavorings and uh, the THC, there's different components in there. There's other things we don't even know about. And so as things are getting aerosolized, you're not vaping water, you're vaping an aerosol.
3: Thank you very much. Here we
0: go, Dr. Weiner. Myth or fact? The people trying to sell vaping are positioning the e-cigarette as safer, healthier alternatives to tobacco smoking. The
2: fact that they are positioning it that way, myth that it actually well actually so it, it is there is some fact there it is some the fact to that mm-hmm. um, but it's again one of those things where it's, it's varying degrees of, of, of negative it's a fine line between <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know what I want to I say this I know we're going oh, fast but I want to we hear a lot like takeaway flavors we're going to drive people back to you're going to drive people back that's to just traditional smoking. cigarettes Let's, that's what they say let me tell you if you don't want to smoke please. I've got Chantix for you Wellbutrin for you Nicorette for you Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for you Hypnosis for you there's so many things you can do other than smoke so I just want to put that out. There you go. Hey, that was the <laughs> next myth versus but It's uh, all yeah, good. All right, all right. I was going to say it me. anyways because I want to get this.
0: I give it to me. I got the answer I'm right to give it Here we go. That's going <laughs> to cover. myth or fact. Uh, vaping is the best option for those who want to quit smoking.
1: I'm going to say that's a myth. <laughs> yeah. Fact. Exactly. And then that's the thing is is there's different <laughs> medicines cool. out there and. Uh, uh, the chant- uh, Chantrix and uh, Nicorette, there are other things out there. Right. If you need to have your nick you know, Nic fix, right. you can get them other ways and things that would be a little bit safer than or a lot of bit safer than vaping.
0: I agree. I tell that to a lot of my patients that are looking to get off of traditional cigarettes, that there are alternatives to vaping to get them there. We can help them along the way and have them have complete success on smoking cessation. Here we go, Dr. Weiner. Here we go. Vapes do not contain nicotine. Myth or fact? Uh, I think we dispel. I think we dispel so, that well, I mean, so, so both. So so, so, so
2: some might not well, okay, have it there, but for the most part, for the vast majority of them, they do uh, that or a THC. All right, thank you very much. Here we go, uh, Dr. Cobra, I like this one. Uh,
0: many states, municipalities, even the federal government have initiated or are in the process of initiating legislation to restrict sales of flavored e-cigs because of the growing concerns about spiking e- e-cig use among U.S. youth. Myth or fact?
1: That is a fact. Please explain. They're trying to do that, and uh, as we talked about earlier, Dr. Weiner said down in Springfield, they're trying to get rid of some of the flavors. Um, but as was also said, one of the main flavors that kids go for is mint. So not? Excellent. Thank you.
0: Dr. Weiner, myth or fact? Only illicit THC products have been linked to
2: vaping-related illness cases and deaths. That is a myth, Um, actually. Please explain. So so two deaths in Oregon have been uh, linked to dispensary-provided THC products, and 20% of all cases haven't involved THC at all. This is really a very broad thing. It would be misleading to say that they haven't focused on illicit ones, and most of them are in the illicit market, but there are plenty of cases that have come from legally sold products
0: And so, Thank you. Here we go. Dr. Kovar, I like this. We're going through a list. I like this list. Here we go. Myth or fact. For the most part, a cigarette is a cigarette. Fake products can be widely different.
1: Uh, I'm going to kind of put that as more of a fact but because because cigarettes there's there's a bunch of garbage and cigarettes I mean there's different types of cigarettes so menthol versus non-menthol but vapes there's so many different things and because different shops can have different uh, combinations and different flavors there's so much variation in those, it's definitely going to be more than just your traditional cigarette. Excellent, here we go. Dr. Weiner. I like this
0: one. Vaping can lead to smoking, aka there is a quote, gateway effect. Myth <laughs> that, effect.
2: That is a fact. One of the most supported conclusions for youth from the National uh, uh, Academies of Science and Engineering and Medicine was that if you smoke, if you're vaping, you're more likely to start smoking, and then when you smoke as a kid, you smoke more than you otherwise would because you're already addicted to the nicotine.
0: I was going back before the show that, uh, um, before we went on air, uh, Dr. Cobra and I were talking about how people tend to minimize all the time. Uh, Going back to our days uh, in residency and you work with people that were smoking traditional cigarettes and they, Say, you know, hey, I do a pack a day and you always multiply it by two. <laughs> or if they did, uh, so it was actually two packs, so they just want to minimize it because they don't want to maybe feel the shame that mm-hmm. us as clinicians would do. And say, they would, like people are drinking, how many drinks you have per, per, per day? And they, they say one, you know, they're, you know, double the number. So I have to say, say that if you ask a kid, and say how many times are you hitting the vape pen each day? You know, first of all, I don't even know if they're counting because they do it so often. Yeah. But, but, but they, i the fear, period fear that people would probably minimize their vape use. All right, here we go. A couple more of these. Dr. Kovar, here it is. Vaping is a young person problem.
1: Uh, again, kind of a yes and no. Definitely more young people are doing it. Obviously, older people can. Uh, but definitely majority of kids are going to be in their, young te- in their teens and early 20s. Excellent. Yeah, most of my patients I think about because I see adults. Uh,
0: Yes, my younger kids, I try to get them to stop vaping and talk about it, but my older people, you know, my 70-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 80-year-olds, whatever, they're still smoking. They're still smoking traditional cigarettes, so there's no doubt about that. I only think I have one patient of mine who has openly admitted to me that she vapes, and she's like 55 or so. All right, here we go. Last one, myth versus fact. Dr. Weiner, I like this one for you. This is a
2: good one to end it with. Everyone knows about vaping. Everyone knows about. I think. I think a lot of people know about vaping. uh, So, so maybe this is myth. But people don't know actually about. Like, there's, there's. Hopefully, your your listeners got something out of this program that they didn't already know. I know when I give presentations, people learn things because there's a there's a lot of medical information that is not being pushed out by the industry because they don't want it. One quick thing to end with on on that note, there was a study that came out actually in a Danish uh, medical journal that was looking at studies out of of Europe and found that that 95% of studies that were funded by the vaping industry found that there was less harm in vaping than studies that were not funded by the industry. So this is is (laughs) big tobacco all over again. So what people think they know, um, the strongest messages are oftentimes the ones with the dollar signs behind them. And you know, uh, us here, like we're not, we're not we don't have billions of dollars behind us, so we just have to speak as loudly
0: as we can. Yeah, we have to speak as loudly as we can and tell the truth and tell the facts. So there you go, myths versus facts that Baby each other remix. So we got about five minutes left, guys, and we've been having a great discussion, really talking about what's been what's evolved, you know, and something may evolve in the next six eight months or so. That we have to get a remix remix show <laughs> on that baby. Uh, I think I know. Okay?
3: <laughs> My wife will like that one.
0: It's like <laughs> and so, but but it's true. But but we have to be flexible as clinicians as experts in what we do because the landscape does change and we have to be able to respond. Either we're gonna respond to it in a great way, a positive way to move the needle, or we're going to just kind of fall back into a little cocoon and let, a, let, let, let this train derail itself and, and acknowledge what happened. So again, you can be either proactive or reactive when we choose to be proactive, certainly talking about it. So I want you guys to bring it on home. we got about five minutes left again. So I'll start with Dr. Weiner. Dr. Weiner, we've been talking about this for a while today. You know, give us some, a, cu- a couple of closing remarks on this topic of vaping, things for people out there to take away from the seriousness of this
2: epidemic. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I think what, what impresses upon me right now is that it is a very right now problem like we we have the surgeon general the cdc talking about this every week updating death counts you know this is like epidemic plague sort of stuff you know what i mean and so we're really at a place where what we do has significant ramifications on the health of people and for for, for listeners for viewers what i would say is that if if something resonated with with you today don't just sit on it don't just be like well that was interesting and then go about your life because then it does nothing Contact your representatives. Talk to children. If you have a platform to message something out, right now the 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 train has been moving in the wrong direction, because there's a lot of money behind it, as I as I mentioned before. And if we want to change that, if we want to flip the script, if we want to change the narrative, have the Marlboro equivalent go away, you know, man go away more Joe Camel. Like we're seeing something on the upswing right now. If we want to blunt that or then bring it back down again, we got to speak out. So don't just listen. Try to take
3: it and run with it.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Martin. It's been awesome having you on the show, and I cannot wait to collaborate with you again in the future with some other great topics. Dr. Kovar, bring it on home, my friend. Give us a message out there. You know, we've stated our case, something for people to take away from today's show to continue to have action versus regressing to inaction.
1: Right. I think the, the one thing to, to, to stress is to the young people, to let them know you're being played. Uh, and, and if they think that they're not then they are sorely mistaken. The, the company is not doing it for them. They're, they are, they're doing it for themselves. They're promoting things to you. They're trying to get you hooked. They're trying to get you addicted. They're making you eventually become the fool. And I think that's the one thing that kids, no one wants to be played the fool. And that's what advertising is doing. It's getting you started early. And, and that's the thing kids need to really realize. That it's if, if they think, it's this isn't me, it's, this is never going to happen to me, it, it's going to. It, it, you're going to be exposed to it. And it's, what do you do? Uh, when you get exposed to it. And also for the parents out there, it's going through scenarios with your kids and just saying, what what have you been exposed to? And they don't have to name names, but just to see what they've been exposed to because you'd be surprised the number of times, again, like I said, I'll ask a kid, do you vape or do you smoke? The answer is no. And then my next question is, has someone offered it to you? And the answer is 100% of the time, Yes, I've not had one kid who said no. Wow. And now the other question I could say is, if I needed you to get a vape, would you know how to get it? And the answer is yes. Oh so my gosh. kids, kids are the kids are gonna know stuff, and they're gonna get they're gonna get things one way or the other. So as we as parents, if we're having a dialogue with our kids and we treat them as as people, and we don't come at them as you know never 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 and just nothing, we have to have an open mind at least hear with hear their story, and then we can adjust our narrative just so that they can understand why we're saying don't start it i think that's the most important
0: thing excellent thank you dr Cobra. it's been great having you on the show and i cannot wait to collaborate with you on other topics as well too so my final words are this you know we're talking about action we want to move the needle being proactive versus reactive the reality is that vaping this whole epidemic we have to grab it by the horns now or never. It is a time right now to intervene. If we don't take action, then might as well just kiss it all away. You know, the vaping epidemic, it's like an infectious, infectious disease, or even for my older people out there, heart disease. You gotta get it at its core. We have to talk about how we can make that, that, that interaction now, that initiative, and make the difference, but we have to do this together. I urge you to not let this conversation out today. We have to keep this going on. I want you to share this show with others. Let's keep this message going on, and I cannot wait to do it again. So again, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Aaron Weiner, board-certified psychologist and director of addiction services at Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Check him out. His stock is hot, www.eehealth.org. He and I are definitely going to be collaborating again in the future, without a doubt. My good friend, Dr. Steve Kovar, or board-certified pediatrician, Kids First Pediatrics. Check him out. He's an excellent doc. He cares about his community, and he cares about kids and our youth. Check him out, www.kidsfirstdocs.com. You've been listening and watching live on Facebook and radio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez, MD, and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Copyright 2019 by MDG Wellness, LLC. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for my next episode. Next week, we're talking sports medicine update. Remember, check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomes.com. I'll check you guys out later, and peace out.